Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Good morning, Cork Church. How are you doing today? Oh, it's good to be here. Isn't it? It's great to be in his presence. Can I get an amen in the house this morning? Amen. It's the truth. Let's, uh, let's pray and then we're going to get into the word of God this morning. Amen. We get an amen. Come on, let's pray. Lord, we bless your name. We just thank you. We praise you. We give you all the glory. Lord, we give you all the praise, oh God, this morning. And Lord, we just pray, Lord, that as we get ready to hear from you, oh God, as we get ready to hear your voice, Lord Jesus. We pray that you would speak to us, Lord, and you would speak definitively. Lord, we've come hungry, and we've come ready, and we've come, Lord, looking for the word of life. And we thank you, the word of life is found in your presence. And we want to be like Mary, Lord. We want to choose the greater thing, which is to sit at your feet. That's the greater thing, Lord. We're stepping away from the busyness of life, We're stepping away from good things to focus on God things this morning. We're stepping away from the things that matter to the thing that matters most, which is to sit in your presence and draw from you. You, the fountain of living water, you're the one this morning, Lord Jesus. It's all found in you. It's all about you, Lord. And so this morning, give us all that we need to go forward into fruitfulness Lord, give us all we need to go forward in power. Give us all we need because everything we need is found in you. We bless you, Lord. We thank you. We give you glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Again, it's amazing to be with you. Uh, And uh, I'm I'm a blessed man. I don't know if you ever just wake up in the morning. There's mornings you wake up and you go, hey, God has blessed me. Amen. Is that you this morning? Are you counting your blessings in the house of God this morning? Are you in that? You are. Good. Talk back to me this morning, Cork Church. You know what it is to wake up and draw in a breath that doesn't belong to you? It's his breath, amen, in your lungs. You know what it is to wake up? Perhaps you've got family. If you've got family, you're extra blessed. Uh, But if you're in the house this morning, you've got family in God, so we're all blessed. Hallelujah. We're not alone on this journey, and uh, even if you feel alone this morning, the presence of God is with you. You have his presence, and he's not taking that away, amen? He's not taking that away, and there's so much available for us this morning, and that's what I want to look at today. Today, I want to talk to you about the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord, and the title this morning is simple, How to Get the Joy of the Lord, amen? how to get the joy of the Lord. You know, when I was younger, I used to go swimming quite a bit. Uh, I know you wouldn't be able to maybe tell looking at me upstairs, uh, looking at me this morning, but yes, there was a time in my life when I indulged in physical activity. I used to go swimming, uh, (laughs) the self-deprecating preacher, huh? How about that this morning? 
I used to go swimming. Uh, we used to go to Garrettstown Beach quite a bit. Myself, my father, my sister. My brother was quite young at the time. So it was typically my dad, my sister, and uh, myself. We would go swimming. And uh, ocean swims, if you know anything about swimming in the ocean, it's got a lot to do with the weather. Uh, the weather will uh, very much dictate the quality uh, of the swim, the experience that you have in the water. So good weather, low winds, it's like swimming in a pond. Particularly if you swim sort of around September after a good summer in Ireland, the water's quite warm, it's placid, it's wonderful. But if you go swimming in January, it's different. Amen? You go swimming in January, it's cold, it's wet, there's wind, there's waves, it's freaky. And uh, I remember going swimming uh, in January and February, those sort of winter months with my dad. And I remember the waves. Do you ever go swimming in the water and get hit and clattered with waves? You know what that's like? And you know, uh, we, I think maybe you know uh, the experience that I'm, I'm describing. You get hit with a, with a wave and then you sort of have this moment where you get thrown underwater and then you need to find your way back up and get air because, as we all know, waves keep coming. Amen? Waves keep coming. Waves keep hitting you. And if you don't get up for air in time, what happens? Well, you get hit by a second wave and you spend even longer underwater. They're difficult ones, aren't they? Have you ever had that experience? You get hit by a wave, and before you get a chance to come up for air, you get hit by another wave, and you have to stay underwater. Amen? Folks, I think life is like an ocean swim in January. I think life is like an ocean swim. We get hit by waves. Things hit our lives. Things hit us and we go under into our emotions, into our reactions, into our responses. And if we're not careful, if we're not resilient, if we can't bounce back in time, if we can't recover in time, we get hit by a second wave and we stay underneath. Am I talking to anybody this morning? Yeah. You know, I think some of the most difficult waves to recover from or people waves. People hurt us. People reject us. People abuse us. People say and do things to us, and we go under into rejection, into heartbreak, into fear, into insecurity. We go under the waves. Before we get a chance to get back up, financial waves hit us delinquent teenagers, those sorts of waves hit us. We get hit and we stay under. It's tough. Amen. But you know, the Bible says, Nehemiah 8 verse 10, grieve not. Grieve not. That was the word that God gave to Nehemiah to a group of exiles who'd gone under. They just heard the word of the law read through the scribe Ezra and they'd realized what it was to sort of be hit by waves. Some of the hardest waves you get hit by are the self-inflicted ones. So they got hit by some self-inflicted waves into exile for 70 years. They come back and they hear the word and they see how far they've fallen. And so Nehemiah comes with this word and he says, grieve not. In other words, it's not over. Can I get an amen? It's not over. That was the word through Nehemiah. It's not over. 
I know you've been hit by that wave. It's a self-inflicted wave. It's a tough thing to endure. You might feel underwater, but it's not over. And then he says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. What an amazing thing that Nehemiah would equate joy with strength. Proverbs 24, verse 10 says, if, you're, if you fail in the day of trouble, in the day of adversity, if your strength fails in crisis, perhaps some translations say you're weak and you lack strength. It's quite a harsh verse, really, I always thought. If you fail in the day of trouble, if you de- fail in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Can I, can I make an, an equation this morning, church? Small strength, small resiliency, and inability to bounce back equals small joy. Small strength equals small joy. So your ability, your ability to bounce back to come up from air has got everything to do with your joy. You know, when you look at the word for joy in the Greek, what it actually means is it's a root from which gladness flows. Isn't that interesting? A lot of us think joy is some external emotion that we've got to walk around singing Hakuna Matata all the time or we don't have joy. Or if you're not smiling all the time, and denying the reality of life, you don't have joy. I really don't like that. I don't know if it's just me this morning. I've been hit over the head with Nehemiah, verse 8, 10 before. Brother, the joy of the Lord is your strength. <laughs> Thanks very much. I appreciate that. I, I can feel like Job sometimes. Lousy comforters, you are. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Do you know that Jesus displayed a full range of human emotion? Jesus cried. Jesus was angry. Jesus displayed emotions. But Jesus had joy. Amen? And you can display emotions and also have joy. Because joy is a root. Joy is something that underpins the emotions. Joy is deeper than surface emotion. Joy, joy is sort of beneath the surface. Amen? You can know that a believer has joy by how they respond when the waves hit their lives. There's a, uh, there is a definition of joy uh, from the Bible project. Uh, and uh, it, again, the Greek word is kara. Biblical joy is more than a happy feeling. It's a lasting emotion that comes from the choice to trust God, to trust that he will fulfill his promises. So joy is a confidence underpinning, anchoring the emotions. Here's the definition the Holy Spirit gave me. Joy is a buoyancy aid, a spiritual buoyancy aid. That's what joy is. Joy is bounce back ability. Amen. Joy is the ability to rise again. Hallelujah. Joy is a confidence that pushes you back up to the surface when the waves of life push you down. Amen. That's what joy is. Joy is a spiritual 
buoyancy aid. Joy is the ability to bounce back. Joy is what God can give you so that what takes you down doesn't keep you down emotionally. Hallelujah. That's why you need it this morning. What is the joy of the Lord? It's bounce back ability. Hallelujah. What is the joy of the Lord? It's the ability to recover. Hallelujah. It's the ability to come up from air. Oh, life is going to hit you with waves. But if you have the joy of the Lord, you will bounce back up and it won't be able to keep you down. Hallelujah. There is. So can I talk to anybody? Am I talking to anybody this morning who's emotional, who, who comes apart emotionally when life gets tough? Am I talking to anybody like that this morning? Oh, no, you're all, you keep it together. Amen. Well, good for you. I'm glad you do. Oh, I keep it together. Thank you very much, Patrick. Yes, I know difficult things might happen to you and you might have reactions. I keep things together. I remain poised. I have the joy of the Lord. Well, for the sake of me then, I'm going to keep on preaching. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you a story. Laura didn't want me to share the story, but I'm going to share it because, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to remain the self-deprecating preacher for a little bit longer. I, Laura went to a meeting last week. Uh, she is one of the leaders of the women's ministry, and she went in uh, one night to meet with the women, with the ladies' team, to talk through plans. And I think that that's wonderful. I think that's amazing. And I was delighted that she was able to do it. And I said, you know what, Laura? I'm going to take care of the kids. I got this. And actually, I'm, I'm going to cook dinner as well. I'm going to cook dinner too. I got this. Now, my son was sick and my daughter was sick, but we, but we got them to bed before Laura left. So Laura's gone. And I say, okay, I'm going to cook my wife a slap-up meal because I'm just that great of a guy. I start to cook. I'm uh, making food. And all of a sudden, I'm in the middle of making meatballs. And I hear my daughter crying upstairs. And I'm like, aha, the plot thickens. I'm going to have to go upstairs and settle her. And I couldn't settle her because she was, she was really ill. So she had to come downstairs. And every time I tried to put her down, she would erupt into tears challenge accepted. I have to cook dinner and hold my daughter. Should be okay. Amen. The problem is this. I'm also, I'm also full of culinary pride. So I wanted to, I wanted to do a flambéed sort of thing. And my daughter wouldn't, I couldn't put her down. So I had to put her in a harness while I was flambéeing like Gordon Ramsay. Of course, she thought that the very fires of hell had erupted in our kitchen. She's 10 months old, and she's about three feet away from flames that are licking the roof of my kitchen. And so all I did was make matters worse. And it got worse and worse. It got more intense, more and more intense. And I started to panic. Pastor Patrick. Pastor Patrick started to panic. And I text Laura and I said, Laura, things aren't going well. <laughs> things aren't going well. I'm struggling. I'm, I'm afraid. I'm, I'm concerned. Just sending the text message. She didn't respond. Of course she didn't respond. She was leading a meeting. She's busy. Amen. And she should have been left well alone. Because if it was me, can, I, can we be honest this morning? If it was me, I wouldn't have answered. I'm leading a ministry. I'm doing ministry. I'm serving the Lord. Handle it yourself. 
That would have been me. Oh, come on now. I'm telling you this, not so you can judge me, but so you can stop judging yourself for your responses. Amen? Right? And so long story short, I called her. I broke my cardinal rule. Patrick, you hypocrite. Your strength is small. You crumble. You folded in the day of adversity. Laura, I cannot handle this. I don't know what to do. She's sick. He's sick. He could wake up and burning the house down. And she just said, okay, I'm, just, I'm coming back. I know. And no sooner did I hang up the phone that this sense of just shame, embarrassment, humiliation hit my heart. Patrick, you big hypocrite. You wouldn't have let, you wouldn't have had, you wouldn't have tolerated that if it was the other way around. You thought more of yourself than you ought to have. You're not as far along as you thought you were. And you know what, folks? Maybe that's you this morning. You fail in the day of adversity. You don't come up for air and you feel shame. Let me tell you, there's joy available for you. There's joy available for you. There's joy available for you. You might have failed, might not have worked out the way that you wanted it to, but there's joy. And I want to look at a couple of passages of Scripture with you. The first is John. How do I get it? Amen. That's what the joy of the Lord is. That's why I need it. How do I get it? John chapter 15, verse 11. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. This is Jesus speaking to you this morning. Now remain in my love. Some translations say abide in my love. Some translations say continue in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. There it is, folks. I've told you this so that my joy might be in you and so that your joy might be complete or full, some translations say. And then he tells us what the command is. The command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Jesus gives us the blueprint, not just to laying hold of his joy, but to us having full joy in and of ourselves. Jesus says, abide in my love. Amen. Continue on in my love. The love I've given you, the grace I've given you, what I've won for you at Calvary, what I've made you, what I've earned for you at the cross, what my blood has purchased for you, how I've won you from that paltry existence, that weak way of living with more than silver and gold, with my precious blood, continue on in that grace. Amen. I'm the vine, it says in John 15, and you're the branches. And the love that flows from the vine to the branches must flow through the branches as well. The commandment to abide is that, we is that we love as he has loved us. If you want to have the joy of the Lord, you must love as he has loved you. Oh, you're probably, you're, I probably ruined your morning. You were getting ready to receive. Lord, I'm ready. 
Give me the joy, Lord. I'm ready. Just drop it on me. Love them the way I've loved you. I'm not trying to hear that, Lord. Did you see what they did to me? Did you see how they treated me? Did you see how they've been acting? Have you seen what I've been going through? Lord, I can barely lift my head off my pillow these days. I'm so caught up in what people have done. Remember, people waves can be the hardest waves to recover from. You're underwater this morning. And the last thing you want to hear is, you can have my joy if you'll just forgive them. But the commandment is clear. Love the way you've been loved. Amen. Love the way you've been loved. You will not experience his joy until you say yes to the invitation to step into the love of the Father and of the Son. You will not experience his joy until you obey his commandment to love. Can you love them the way that he loved you? Can you love them when they crucify you? Can you crucify you with their words? Put you up for public shame the way that they treat you? Some of you here this morning, you've got work colleagues and they're embarrassing you in public. They're exposing you in public. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Can you love them anyway? Can you love them when they mock you? When they spit on you? When they revile you? When they say all manner of unkind things about you? Can you love them when they treat you this way? Can you love them when they abandon you? When they turn their back on you? When in the day When in your Gethsemane, they can't keep watch with you. They back away and you find yourself on your own. Let me tell you, you're never on your own. Are you a Christian this morning? If you're a Christian, you're never on your own. Hallelujah. Will you answer the invitation this morning? Come and share in my joy. Will you? If you have my joy, you can pray for them as they crucify you because they don't understand that it's sin that holds them captive. Hallelujah. If you have my joy, you can trust yourself to God and not defend yourself against false accusations because you know to whom you belong. Amen. You can forgive the deepest of betrayals this morning because you know that your forgiveness will mean their restoration. Hallelujah. And when they buried you and they rolled a stone over you, over the hole they left you in to make sure you wouldn't rise again. Do you know what I'm saying this morning? Have you ever been buried by somebody? I'm talking to court church, listen. Have you ever been buried by somebody? Have you ever been crucified by somebody? Have you ever been abandoned and maligned, accused of? by somebody left in a hole and they roll the stone over. They don't want you to rise again. Amen. But you can intercede for them if you have the joy of the Lord because you know that your life, your destiny was never in their hands in the first place. Amen this morning. Hallelujah. When people try and cancel you, when people try and push you to the side, all the things that our Lord endured. 
Can you come into this? Listen, I want to give you some steps this morning on how to enter into this joy. Steps to enter into this joy. We know it's about the love of the Lord, but I want you to look here at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And I'm going to line out a couple of steps. They all start with F, just to make it easy. Amen, this morning. But let me read from Hebrews chapter 1. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, the joy set before him, he endured the cross, dis disregarding the shame. He's now seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people, that you won't become weary and give up. Amen. Steps to joy this morning. I want to look at faith. I want to look at focus. I want to look at fixation. And then I want to look at follow through. Amen. The first thing this morning I want to give, point your attention to from the text is that this is available by faith. Amen. It's available by faith. The Hebrew writer says that you and I, we're surrounded by a great and grand cloud of witnesses. And so often I believe that we, we, we read Hebrews 11, the previous chapter, wrong. I think we read Hebrews 11 and we think that it's all about the faith of those people. Sure, there's a level of application there. It's all about the faith of those people. But we end up ultimately thinking, wow, if I only had the faith of Abraham, if I only had the faith of Moses or David or, or Jephthah or Samson or any of the other people mentioned in that chapter. Well, if I only had big faith, then I would be resilient like them. If I only had big faith, then I would be able to overcome the waves that hit my life like they did. But folks, this morning I want to direct your attention to what they are bearing witness to. Amen? What are they bearing witness to? Let me tell you this morning, there are no big people, just a big God. There are no great men and women, just a great God this morning. I would suggest to you that these men and women are witnesses to the grace of God that they discovered that caused them to walk and to not faint, to not sink, to not slip, to not go under the waves. They saw something that we should look at this morning. They saw someone ahead of time who we can look back through time on this morning. They saw Jesus. They saw the one who would earn the grace that would cover them and keep them afloat. I believe this morning that they walked in the joy of the Lord. Prove it, Patrick. Don't mind if I do. I'll start in John chapter 8, verse 56. 
in John chapter 8, verse 56, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, to the Sanhedrin. They're lobbying accusations. And he said to them, before Abraham was, I am. And they said, you're not even 50 years old, which frankly I thought was insulting. He's 33 and he's being mis misunderstood as a 50-year-old. I'm 37. If, if, if you're shocked that I'm not 50, I need a better skincare routine. You're not even 50, they say. And Jesus said what? In John 8, 56, before Abraham was, I am, uh, Abraham saw my day and was what? Glad. Abraham, uh, some translations say, Abraham rejoiced to see my day and was glad or joyful. Hallelujah. So Abraham saw him ahead of time. Hallelujah. Oh, you're buying it now, culture. You weren't sure where I was going before. Abraham saw Christ up ahead. He saw it coming. He saw a day. He saw one who would earn the grace that he would enjoy. So when he lied about his wife twice, so when he, so when he went into his handmaiden Hagar to try and expedite the promises of God, he saw ahead of time one whose record would be perfect. One whose name was Jesus, who would earn a righteousness, earn a joy that he could walk in. I think this is great news, folks, this morning. Well, let's keep going. First Peter 1 chapter 10 says that the prophet spoke about a grace that we would inherit. They saw ahead of time a grace that would one day be our grace, be the grace that we enjoy. They saw Christ ahead of time. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1 that Jesus was the mystery hidden through the ages, but made known to us that Christ would be on in us the hope of glory. Are you seeing it this morning? How about Hebrews chapter 11 verse 27 that says that Joseph endured seeing one who was invisible. Hallelujah. They saw him ahead of time. And so the Hebrew writer encourages us to look unto Jesus. It's by faith this morning. See the Lord Jesus. See what he's done for you. Walk into it this morning. Listen, some of you are saying, I could never have that sort of joy, that resolve to forgive that person, to love that person again. Start stepping forward. Start walking into it. You know, your focus, your focus will dictate your freedom this morning. Amen? How many of us look at the wrong thing? Some of us were here right now and we are so focused on what this person has done and that person has done that we've got no ability to walk forward. Yet the Hebrew writer says, if we will look unto Jesus, if we will look unto him, then there will be a laying down of the things that weigh us down and the sin that so easily besets. That's an amazing thing. 
And we can look at that a couple of ways. We can look at it as unbelief this morning. And yes, that's true. We can look at it as individual sins this morning. And yes, that's true. But I want you to think of it this way. When your focus is wrong, you'll be weighed down by the things that you're looking at. I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to prove it to you. Because we need to understand that there's something here. We're called to focus on Jesus. We're called to look to him. We're called to walk out the example that we see in those witnesses, the cloud of witnesses that surround us. We're supposed to walk toward the grace that they saw coming. They saw ahead, we see, looking back, but it's the same thing we're looking at. Our focus this morning is everything. It's absolutely everything. Because what we focus on, we fixate on. Another word for fixate is meditate. What we focus on becomes our meditation. And what becomes our meditation fills us up. What we meditate on fills our spirits. I'm going to show it to you now. So the Bible says that we're to look unto Jesus and that the wording means to look away from everything else, to turn away from everything else and to look at him. And the problem is for a lot of us, we are far too focused on the issue at hand. We're far too focused on what's just hit us. Amen? Oh, something hits us and that's all we're about. How do you know what you're focusing on? Well, what are you talking about? What's coming out of your mouth this morning? What's your favorite topic of conversation? Sometimes it's not hard to know what wave has just hit a person because it's all they manage to talk about. Some people get hurt, some people get wounded, and now every conversation is about the hurt and about the wound. Oh, you could start by talking about the weather or, or the match, but they somehow make it back to that pastor who wounded them 10 years ago. Am I reading somebody's diary this morning? Am I? Am I? What are you talking about? What you're speaking about, that is your, that's your focus this morning. Do you remember when the disciples were crossing the Sea of Galilee and they're hit by a storm? They're hit by raging waters and the boat starts to take in water. Starts to take in water and the Bible says they start frantically bailing out water and then they run to Jesus and what do they say? What comes out of their mouths? Don't you care that we're dying? Don't you care that we're dying? They had become so fixated on the problem, on the waves, on the hurt, on the issue that they'd forgotten who was in the boat with them. The Hebrew writer says, focus on Jesus to the neglect of everything else. Some of us focus on the problem to the neglect of our Savior. Have you forgotten who's in the boat with you this morning? Are you that problem focused? Do your prayers sound like accusations this morning? Don't you care that I die? Don't you care what they've done to me? God, don't you see what they've done to me, how they've wounded me, how they've hurt me, how they've cut me, Lord. Wake up and do something, Jesus. You're asleep at the wheel. Oh, it's too real for a Sunday morning, Pastor Stephen. I'll pull back, I'll pull back. What your focus, what is your focus this morning, Cork Church? Can I suggest to you to not speak the problem but speak Jesus. 
Speak Jesus this morning. Speak Jesus this morning. Amen. The Hebrew writer says he's the author of and the finisher of life. What does that mean? He finishes what he starts. Hallelujah. Oh, you might have been hit by a wave. The water might be coming in. He's going to finish what he starts. Remember, what is joy? It's, an, it's a confidence in the emotions that he will fulfill all of his promises. I don't care what hits me in life. He's going to finish what he started. Oh, the Bible says that he endured the cross. What does that mean? It means he hung there until he was the last to hang there or till he was left behind. In other words... He didn't depart in the face of our sin and failure. When faced with our sins, with our brokenness, with our darkness, when faced with all that we have done, Jesus stuck around. Can you say amen this morning? Oh, he didn't take his presence from you. Oh, when you reacted that way. Oh, when you threw up a prayer in accusation against him, he never departed against. He never took his presence. I'm in this for good. I'm in this for the long haul, kid. Here's looking at you. Amen. Amen. Bible says that he despised the shame. That means he thought nothing to take our shame on himself. And it was for the joy set before him. Hallelujah. Speak Jesus. Focus. Speak Jesus. Because what you focus on becomes your fixation. Do you understand that this morning, church? When you start talking about it, you start fixating on it. The tongue is the rudder of the heart. What you speak about turns your heart and what you speak about and focus on and look at fills your heart. And some of us are weighed down because we've made meaning out of the waves that have hit our lives. We've made meaning. The Bible says in Hebrews 3 that we're supposed to compare, or sorry, we're supposed to consider Jesus. That means to meditate. So we need to speak Jesus and we need to look to him, but we need to meditate on him. And how do we meditate on Jesus? Well, we have to be careful. Are you being weighed down by some other story, some other narrative, some other meditation this morning? You know, the Bible says that Peter, when he walked on water, he began to look at the boisterousness, some say, some translations say, of the waves, the strength of the wind, and then he began to sink. Can I say this to you this morning, Cork Church? It's not what hits your life but the meaning you make out of what hits your life that has the power to sink you. The waves that Peter encountered didn't sink him until he let them get inside of him. What meaning are you making of the things that are happening to you in your life? What are you saying to yourself about the waves that are hitting your life? What you say to yourself has the power to weigh you down with negative emotion if you're not careful. Some of you, you've let anxiety narratives fill your heart. Rejection narratives fill your heart. You've let them fill your heart. What people think, their opinions, you've let those come in and fill your heart. And you're sinking, you're being weighed down this morning. Can I suggest to you, Cork Church, 
begin to tell yourself a better story. Amen. There's a better story. There's a better story this morning. There's a better message this morning. The Bible says we are to consider him who endured much hostility from sinners. And you know, for a long time, I read those verses and I thought, well, those wicked sinners 2,000 years ago who did all those horrible things to Jesus, they're just terrible. They're awful, aren't they? And I would read Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3 and go, yeah, terrible, terrible, terrible. I will think about what they did to him. And I would sort of rise up in judgmental indignation until the Holy Spirit dropped this into my spirit. Patrick, you were one of those sinners. You were one of those sinners. You consider, therefore, what he went through from you in order to win you. When I was his enemy, when he was my enemy, I was his reward. When you were his enemy, he demonstrated his love by coming and dying for you. You know, Mel Gibson, during the filming of The Passion of the Christ, he insisted that he would actually be the one to nail the nails into the hands of Christ because he wanted to remind himself and the cast and the world that this wasn't just thing, something that happened 2,000 years ago, but that our sins put him there. Our sins put him on the tree. Your sins and mine. So when those waves hit my life, I will tell myself a better story than the traumas that happened to me. I will tell myself about the traumas that happened to him. I will speak about what he endured for my sake from my hand rather than what people have done to me. I can either look at my scars or I can look at his scars. I can either pick over my trauma or I can look at his trauma. I can consider all that happened, all he did, all he took, all he took from me for my sake or I can spend my life thinking about what others have done for me I need the power of a better story do you Cork Church do you need freedom from those narratives it's time to preach the cross to your heart this morning look at him and preach what he's done to yourself you'll never walk in joy if you're looking at what they've done, you'll never walk in joy. If you're telling yourself what they've done, you need to look at him this morning. This is how you enter his joy. You know, it's not enough to focus. It's not enough to fixate. You've got to follow through. Every now and again, when I get up here, I talk about basketball. And uh, it didn't take me long to realize I would never make it in the NBA. I was never going to make it. Five foot nine, 200 pounds. I just don't think so. I'd probably make it as a UFC fighter before I made it as an NBA player. But uh, that's very unsanctified, so no. You know, in basketball, a part of the rudiments of a shot is follow through. So I'm going to do something I didn't think I would do this morning, and I'm going to sort of go through the motions of a shot with you. You start by planting your feet shoulder width apart you put your you, you square your, your elbow to the hoop 
and you put your hand here, you, you palm the ball, and, and this hand here on the left, if you're right-handed, is to guide the ball. You bring it up, and then you push off and follow through. Now, all of your form up until the point of a follow-through can be perfect. But if the follow-through is wrong or off or non-existent, the ball will either travel the wrong direction, it won't make it to the hoop, or it won't leave your hand. It's not enough to make Christ your focus or to make his work your fixation. If you've got no follow-through, you have to obey the command. You've got to love. You've got to let it flow through you this morning. That's how you enter into the joy, by following through, by saying yes when the Holy Spirit says, I want you to go and say you're sorry. Can I speak to husbands for a moment? It's the heart you would rather do a year of yard work than apologize to your wife without a lecture or a, or a giant qualification. Am I talking to anybody this morning? I'm apologizing, but I want to let you know what you've done. And I'm going to take a moment of time to just sort of put on my Holy Spirit hat and teach you a lesson. Tell you where you're going wrong and admonish you in the Lord. Who am I talking to this morning? Nobody, just myself. That's okay. I'm going to keep talking though. We are, we are called every day to love the people around us at cost to our pride, at cost to our justifications, at the cost of our narratives at the cost of the justifications we hold on to. But do you know what disarms us again and again? That story of the cross. There is nothing he did, nothing I, they did that could ever pale and could ever match my sins that put him on the tree. I'm going to follow through because on the other side of the follow through, there's joy. Hallelujah. I get an amen this morning. There's joy. On the other side of the follow-through, there's the very thing you are looking for. There's peace. There's joy. Hallelujah. On the other side of the follow-through, there's embrace. There's relationship. Amen. Some of us have dug our heels in so deep, we won't follow through. And do you know what happens when you don't follow through? You become a theological fathead. You do. You know everything about God and everything about grace and everything about the Bible, but you have absolutely no capacity to demonstrate the grace you know so much about. You are on the vine, but you're not bearing fruit because you're not letting the very sap, the very grace that engrafted you in flow through you so that fruit can be produced in your life. Do you know the greatest fruit a Christian can demonstrate is the fruit of forgiveness and love and joy, long-suffering, patient endurance. This is how you enter into his joy. This is how you begin to look like Jesus in your marriage. This is how you begin to look like Jesus in your place of work. This is how you begin to look like Jesus in your church. You begin to look like Jesus when you let the love you've received flow through you. And so the, for the joy set before you, you can endure as well. You can be resilient as well. 
you can stay afloat as well when things hit your life, when things hurt you. And you know, to finish, we've gone through what is the joy of the Lord? How can I get it? We've spoken about we've spoken about that, but now I want to say just briefly as we close, what does it look like when I have it? You know, in Psalm 46 verse 4, the psalmist writes, there is a river that makes glad the city of God. Amen. Amen. Yes, you know it? Yeah, it's a wonderful a city whose streams make glad Zion or the city of God. What I love about that verse is um, there, is no, there are no real rivers around Jerusalem. They don't exist. There are no real rivers at all. So the psalmist is not talking about physical Jerusalem. He's talking about heavenly Jerusalem. And when you read the verses just before it, he's talking about how the storms and seas are raging and the mountains are collapsing into the sea. So I want you to imagine, folks, that you can be in the middle of a storm. You can be in the middle of waves that are crashing over your life, pushing you downward. You can be in the middle of all of that and still have peace and still have joy and still have gladness. Listen, the presence of peace and joy, peace of mind, it's got nothing to do with the absence of storms. The presence of peace is about the presence of the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, when you follow through and you have joy, His joy, you can be in a storm and the waves can be hitting your life, but your focus will be on a river of peace and joy whose streams make glad or joyful the city of God. I can have peace of mind. Hallelujah. Some of you know what I'm talking about this morning, church. You know what I'm talking about. Your focus is wrong. Your fixations are wrong. And you're underwater, under your emotions. Oh, follow through this morning. Say yes, obey the Holy Spirit. Come humble, come low. And he'll raise you high. Amen. He'll do it. He'll give it to you. You'll have peace of mind. You won't be shaken. Glory. You won't be shaken. The waves will hit you. You won't lose your cool. Praise the Lord. You won't lose your cool. Hallelujah. Oh, it won't knock you the way it used to. It won't shake you the way it used to. There's peace. There's a river. Even in the storm, there's a river. Gentle. I want you to imagine it. Let's go there. Three seconds. Raging seas and a quiet river. Hallelujah. I don't need you to take me out of it, Lord. You've put your joy in me. I don't need you to deliver me from the circumstance. You've changed my inner circumstance. There's something inside of me that the waves cannot shake. Oh, you can, you can billow and you can roll. Do you know who's in the boat with me, Storm? Do you know who's in the sea with me? My God is an ever-present help in times of trouble. And at the right time, he will say, be still and know that I'm God. You know, incidentally, most commentators think that Jesus wasn't talking to the disciples when he said that on the boat. He was talking to the storm. He told the storm to be still. He rebuked the waves, the gospels say, when he crossed the sea to the Gadarenes. 
And the last thing this morning is this. You will have an anchor to your emotions. You will have a root to your emotions. You will have, a, you will have an emotional buoyancy aid. And I like the idea of an anchor because when things hit us, we can drift off into narratives and we can drift off into what ifs and we can drift off into all of that. And folks, incidentally, what if is the language of fear, even if it's the language of faith. If you find yourself talking in the what if, you've got to move your focus. Hallelujah. Even if, even if it happens, I know who my God is. You might find yourself drifting into anxiety. You might find yourself drifting into fear. You might find yourself drifting into insecurity. But if you have his joy, there will be something tugging underneath the surface that will not let you drift away into depression and into fear and into despair. There'll be a higher truth that says, my God will fulfill all of his promises to me. If he would endure such hostility for me while I was still a sinner, while I was his enemy, what makes me think that now, along with his son, will he not graciously give me all things? Why should I be afraid? There's a grace. There's one who's run ahead of me. There's one who's purchased the grace that's going to keep me afloat. And that just drags you back. Try it. Try it. Take that fear. Take that thing at the front of your mind. And weigh it up against what he did for you. And weigh it up against his faithfulness. It pulls you back and it lifts you up. Hallelujah. You don't have to fall to pieces emotionally. You don't have to. You can have his joy. And when you have his joy, and you may not know it, you might be sitting here right now, going, how will I know when I have it? Well, I'll tell you, life, as sure as life is life, you'll have another day of adversity. But my prayer for you is on that day, you'll find a joy inside of you that lifts you up because your focus is right and your fixation is right and you've come by faith. You're not working for it. You're working from it and you are following through. And on that day, the waves will billow and roll, but your eyes will be on a river that flowed from the Savior's side and continues to flow a fountain, a river of life. Hallelujah, that gives peace and grants peace. We stand with me this morning called church. Is that you this morning? Who am I talking to? Cork Church, thank you. You've been so patient this morning. Who am I talking to this morning? Your emotions, your reactions aren't where you want them to be. Maybe you're underwater this morning and you feel like you're being hit by wave upon breaking wave. I want to encourage you this morning. There's joy for you. If you'll step forward in faith, you can experience joy and you can experience it this morning. He will give you the grace to focus on him. He will give you the grace to fixate, to meditate on him. And he will give you the follow through to love the way that he calls you to love so that you can be lifted and have joy. Hallelujah. Will you close your eyes this morning? I want to give an opportunity. I want to give you a chance this morning. If you're under the sound of my voice and you're saying, Patrick, that is me. I am reacting. I feel underwater. I need his joy. 
I need his joy. I need my eyes to be on Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. I need the confidence that says he'll do everything he said he'll do. I need something that overrides my failure. I need something that overrides the hurts that I experience from people. And I need something that overrides my circumstances. I need the Lord's joy. There's an invitation this morning to step into his joy. And so I want to give a moment here. If that's you, I want to invite you to come to the front here. There's an altar and we want to pray for you. You have nothing to be ashamed of this morning, but the Lord's joy is available. Hallelujah. He wants to hold you together. Hallelujah. So as we begin to sing, I want to invite you to come forward. Don't be afraid. There's something available. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Lord, we just bless you. We love you. We give you all the praise this morning. We give you glory, Lord. We worship you, O God. Oh, Lord, we're ready to receive what you have to give us. So we pray, Lord God, now as we open these altars, that people would come and, Lord, you would give them your joy in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website. It's www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time.